Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. My name is Joe Armstrong, and you are tuned in to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, we are very proud to bring you Vitamin String Quartet. Soon after modern pop music supplanted jazz and classical styles as the predominant music for the masses, musicians were arranging pop standards with classical instrumentation. The quality and musical merits of these reverse-engineered explorations ranged from dubious, think elevator music, to the avant-garde. But at its best, the genre both exposes people not otherwise predisposed to like classical music to a new art form, as well as illuminates the musical legitimacy of a style derided in highbrow circles as merely pop music. Los Angeles' Vitamin String Quartet started out nearly 20 years ago as a sort of side project for a record label. Although it features long-running members, it isn't a fixed ensemble. It's more like a sports franchise that plays games with a rotating cast of players. But the quality of the VSQ performers remains high, and the ensemble has evolved from its more musically open origins to taking on the unique challenge of arranging rock, pop, metal, punk, techno, country, and hip-hop songs solely for the four instruments that comprise a string quartet, cello, viola, and a pair of violins. The internet age has been good to Vitamin String Quartet, and the group has ably capitalized on the new paradigm of the way music is distributed and enjoyed. The ensemble has managed to move over 3.8 million downloads, 1 million compact discs, and it maintains an active YouTube page with well over 1,000 videos, with new content being released regularly. Unsurprisingly, VSQ's unique and adventurous arrangements have found their way into numerous TV shows, and fans can even buy sheet music for some pieces. In short, Vitamin String Quartet has grown into a sort of cottage industry. With this much content, pick a band. You're sure to find music by at least one of your favorite artists in the Vitamin String Quartet catalog. Welcome to Independence Day Vitamin String Quartet. Hello. Welcome, guys and girls. Hello. Thanks for being on the show. I can't wait for people to hear what you're going to play today because, like, in some ways what you do is a shtick, but you do it so awesome that it, like, transcends shtickdom. Does that make sense? It, well, it, it is a novelty in yeah. a way. People have been doing this for a long time. I mean, like when I was a kid, it was always the Beatles, right? Right. Some classical group would do the Beatles, or like some choir. You know, when I was in choir growing up, and they we'd sing, I don't know, a Whitney Houston song or who knows right. whatever it was. So there, there's always been this crossover, right? But classical music goes back a lot farther than mm-hmm. any, any of these things. Other pop music does. Vitaminstringquartet.com is the website where people can learn what they need to learn about you. And let's introduce everybody. Let's start with the director of this organization. Say hello. Uh, this I, is Mr. James Curtis. Say hello, James. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get into the meat and potatoes of like how you started this whole thing in a few minutes. But before we do that, I want to make sure we get the musicians. The first thing I want to make clear is that you guys are kind of like a sports team in one regard <laughs> in that like you, know, you go see the Bulls. And it's different players year to year. Yeah, right? rotation. Sure, but sure. the Bulls are the same. It's the same organization. It's just different players. And you guys do something very, very similar. There's a lot of crossover, and you guys carry players over for a long time. But you've been around, what, 18 years? Yeah, yeah. Initial studio release was uh, was 99. If so I'm doing my math correctly, and I'm terrible at math. No, no, you had it right. But that's a long time to keep any band together. Yeah, well, because so, legitimately, it's not really like a band. Yeah, like you're it's a franchise. Yes, exactly. So to speak. <laughs> yeah. And then, so for this particular uh, show, or my show, uh, right. the musicians you played, of course, are your finest musicians. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, Today. <laughs> and let's just go down the line. We'll talk, uh, we'll do violins first on my left, your right, and on violin. Is your first violin? 
first. Yes. Come Hello. closer. Come closer. Sorry, baby. sorry. I, I, so afraid of this. No, I'm not. Just <laughs> okay. kidding. And you are Rachel. This is Rachel. You're Rachel. Grace. Grace. Okay, I wanted to make sure because I only introduced you as Rachel, and there's two Rachels here, and you. you there sure is. Spell your names the very. We like exact to do everything way. double. Rachel Grace. Yes. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for taking the it's time. I know pleasure. you guys are all busy. I'm busy too. Mm-hmm. So this is it, it's, it means something when people devote their time to making music together and sharing it with other people. So thank you. Mm-hmm. For Such that. a pleasure. It means a lot. So why? No, I detect like a slight New Jersey accent. Where is it? Where is <laughs> that? That's on purpose. Yeah. Where is it? That, where is it that you're from? I'm uh, I'm from the Netherlands. Netherlands. Yes. Very nice. And did, so, and did you first pick up the violin there? I did. Yeah. Was um, it a different experience? Then it, it seems like in the states, it's like we talk about supporting music, but I don't know that we do. D- different experiences. What? In terms of when you were learning, uh, like. Was it something that you learned in school? Because well, I was three years old. That was that a whole the, different experience. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Because then I would get like a little piece of candy when I did good, and now no one gives me any candy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> They've removed the carrot. So you just gotta, they have it's only a stick. Money now. The stick is all that's left. But you're getting paid. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> okay, then the other Rachel. Rachel, pronounce your last name for me. Iva. That was going to be my yeah. guess. Rachel, lovely to meet you as well. Thank you, you for sharing your talents. Thanks for having me. And then yeah. you grew up, uh, we talked a little bit before when we were setting up your Boston area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I moved here about a year and a half ago. Did you come from a musical family? A little bit, yeah. My mom was like a music teacher. My dad loved like blues piano. He actually injured his thumb because he would just go too hard on the the bass line. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very cool. And then what, uh, so you came from a musical family, but then what made you decide to like go into it? Because it's a tough road to hoe. Well, kind of like what Rachel Grace was saying. The other Rachel. Um, (laughs) Um. I feel like often with classical musicians, it's sort of chosen for you before you're even aware of the life path that you're committing to. So I was, I think, five or six when I started, and then it just kind of naturally evolved and becomes a part of your identity. But I think around college is when I decided I wanted to keep doing it. Because at some point, you need to make that conscious choice. Like, this isn't just something I'm screwing around with. Like, I'm actually doing this for a living. And like, I know tons of professional musicians and I've been one myself. It's it's like I said, it's a tough road to hoe. Mm -hmm. So like, you really have to love it. Capital L, capital O, capital V, capital (laughs) E. Okay. And over here on Viola, we have, I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Am I Viola? Mm -hmm, Viola. Like Viola Davis? (laughs) Stupidest. Apples and oranges. I'm going to say all my stupid jokes today. So, and this is Tom Lee, correct? You got it. Mm -hmm. So why Viola? That's my first question for you. It's like, it seems to be like the dark horse instrument. Like cello gets all the sexy stuff because it's low (laughs) and rich. Violin gets like all the featured stuff because it's like out in front. Yeah. But like, why, why Viola? That's a great question. Um, i just to start off with, I think it's the most versatile instrument because it sort of dips into both worlds. You know, we have the like supportive low end, and then we can get sort of a little higher in the register. Right. Um, just happen to have a viola at my house. So again, I'm from a musical family, uh, like Rachel, and um, uh, yeah, my uncle played, and my whole family's musical. So just sort of was like very yeah. easy to just latch onto it and i had two siblings who are both professional musicians my brother's a horn player saxon flute my sister's a trombone player brass player so i just sort of wanted to do something a little different from them right. and the string family just sort of like called to me i'm trying to imagine thanksgiving at your house mm-hmm. <laughs> super musical like, do you do you guys play all together? the time yeah that's awesome see i'm yeah. so insanely jealous i only had one sibling who like had any aptitude for music whatsoever and then she just kind of lost it like i'm the only i'm, I'm the dark horse like, I'm the only one that does music stuff. I mean, I've 
siblings that kind of tinker with stuff, and they all love music. And but you, I mean, you don't want to hear the Armstrong family happy birthday. It sounds <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but to the viola, like one last point I want to make is that it, to me, like I'm gonna the parallel for me is choir. Like I came up through choirs, classical mm-hmm. choirs, singing you know pretty heavy material, and like you seem like like the viola seems like the alto, mm-hmm. right? Because the alto chicks in choir are like <laughs> they're the ones who didn't want to be out front, like they but they were like strong, sturdy yeah. women who like. <laughs> could sing those like juicy harmony parts like they didn't need to be the star i think that yeah a big part of that is just being content with being a supportive player and, yeah. and really just kind of making it all work you know being a cog in the, in, the, in the machine you know yeah well i wouldn't say you're a cog you're a good looking cog if you're yeah, a cog you, sir you have a lovely hat we'll take some pictures <laughs> to put that, that up on the website and then last but not least of course we have derek stein on cello yes thank you man and you and like that the cello that's sexy times right there. It is a sexy <laughs> instrument, yes. And because it's 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 you you know I play guitar primarily, and you like you you pull it into your person. Yeah, definitely. Right, you know you it's like it's got substance and weight to it. It's you know got I mean? a little bit of like that hourglass. Right, it's got the hourglass form. Correct, and it's you know the instrument most compared to the human voice. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I mean, I'm expounding on why I would choose the cello, but why did you choose the cello? Um. Well, my dad was a cellist. Uh huh. And growing up, I saw him play a lot, and I think I was just trying to be like my dad. So you were afflicted from the get go. You had no, yeah, <laughs> you had no much. choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So this is Vitamin String Quartet. They're my guests this week on Independence Day. You can check them out at vitaminstringquartet.com. They've got tons of stuff. You guys have the other websites Hundreds. too. You've got facebook.com slash vitamin string quartet, youtube.com slash official VSQ. Yo, no, you on, you on there. Soundcloud.com slash vitamin dash string dash quartet, if I've got that right. Is that correct? <laughs> yep. Uh, also, twitter.com, we are VSQ. Like, you guys are fully branded, and this is a professional organization that, like, releases records, releases videos, does concerts. It's a big deal. You guys should check these things out. And I, I haven't made it clear, they're doing popular music, generally speaking, in a classical style. And when we come back from this, I want to play a song that you can buy from them if you want to do that. And I encourage you to do so. You should always support music by purchasing it. Uh, this is a Kanye West song. Like the stuff you're doing right now is like a, it's a group of primarily Kanye West yeah, we just, songs. Yeah, we just put out a record. <clears throat> the vinyl for it came out on Record Store Day, so on the 22nd of April. And then we put out the digital platform everywhere is April 28th, and it's VSQ performs Kanye West. Okay. So it's a compendium of Kanye songs. Very, very nice. So some of you may recognize this is the song New Slaves, Kanye West, via Vitamin String Quartet on Independence Day. Thank you. 
My name is Joe Armstrong. That is Vitamin String Quartet. You may recognize the song. That is the song New Slaves by a guy named Kanye West. Perhaps you've heard of him. <laughs> guy sold a few records in his day, continues nope. to. Uh, do you guys uh, embody any of the attitude of Kanye West when you do your things? Or like, how straight do you get with classical performance? Classical can be kind of stuffy. I mean, we yeah. were listening to the, the recordings in the yeah. rehearsal today. Yeah, kind of giving things yeah. a perspective to understand what it was that we're sort of, the, you know, this is James, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of giving them a perspective on what this thing originally sounded like, so they can kind of regroup on that. And yeah, I mean, for me, I don't even consider this like we may be all classically trained and we may be playing instruments that are used primarily in classical music, but I don't consider this what we do classical. I mean, I come to this with a completely different, right. um, you know, approach than I would if I was playing a Beethoven string quartet. Right. You know, right. because that it's was totally different yeah. vibes, right, right. totally different attitudes, different style. You gotta have yeah. to, you know, you have to be able to play it like it should sound. Well, yeah, yeah of course. Well, that's the thing. The you're you're reinterpreting something because if you look at it, you know, from the perspective of like a pure classical musician who. Um, you know, you uh, people should check out. Uh, by the way, there's a little teaser video we're going to do where I ask you guys to play all your favorite song, right? <laughs> and it's a very different approach when you're playing classical music. Like most of the classical musicians I, that I've arranged for in pop music that I've done, like when I bring them in, they need a chart, right? Yeah, right. The rest yeah. of the musicians I know, it's like, okay, this song's in A, it's one, four, five with a minor four at this part of the song, right? And like people who do like oral tradition music, A U R A L, like they don't need oral. There's a there's there's no chart. You just sit them down. You're like, okay, and off you go. Right. Like the classical musicians, there's been times where I've arranged things for them, and I bring one, bring them classical, bring one in, like it's a specimen, bring them in, <laughs> and it's is. like, uh, yeah. hey, this song's in A. You know, it's a one four five, but there's a flat, there's a and, you know minor four in the in the bridge, and they look at me like a dog on skates. <laughs> right. They. I'm not. They're brilliant musicians, better than I'll ever be, but that's there's a disconnect there. What I'm building to is that you could theoretically chart any of the music that you do and drop a chart in front of your musicians, and they will never have heard that song before in their lives. Sure, and yeah. could play that, which is very very different than an oral tradition. Right, but we can all do that that mm -hmm. oral stuff too. Like right. the people that um, you know in the past that the people that Vitamin String Quartet look for is they don't look for like the straight laced classically trained well of course they look for classically trained but yeah. they want people who have a little bit of diversity in the styles that they play or the styles that they may have grown up listening to or even the styles that they've grown up playing and um which you know, can be difficult even in LA. It can yeah, be really absolutely. difficult, can be difficult finding those anywhere. Kind of I mean that have that level of diversity. Right. Tom and I, in the classical world. Tom and I did a couple of recording gigs a few weeks back where we were in the same room sitting on chairs with microphones, no music stands. And the guy who we, we were recording for, he would say, okay, listen to this. And he would play us a segment of the tune and then he goes, okay, play. And then the, <laughs> the two of us would just play together with the recording. And yeah. then throughout that, we would come up with what we were going to play. Right. But it was all by ear. It was no music and no sheet music involved. Just, playing as we heard it right and then creating a line to go with whatever else was going on right and that's a strength for you as a musician and the type of musicians who can do that kind of thing like well I'll just rachel i'll just ask you yeah. as the other representative of all musicians other who isn't <laughs> who yes. isn't derek in here like, i will answer all of your questions um, yeah so 
Now, now, do you? I mean, are you that type of musician as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. And Derek and I both went to um, Cal Arts, which okay. is a very interdisciplinary program and really encourages the musicians to get a diverse education in terms of style. But I've, yeah, I think I would go crazy if I just had to play classical music, and it's, it's so, like, expansive to get to see the connections between all of the different styles. Right. Because that's the thing, you know, I, the pat phrase is that rules were meant to be broken. Yeah. Right? right. And there are a lot of rules in classical music. There are a lot of rules. I mean, I went through classical guitar, terrible at it. I'm so sorry. I apologize <laughs> to my professors <laughs> profusely for the rest of my life. I granted, I paid them <laughs> to torture me and I tortured them right back. So that there's what it is. But you're kind of, you know, having worked for a symphony, in mm-hmm. my life and watched what it takes from the administrative side and watch what the musicians do. I mean, those are the types of musicians, a lot of them, or at least, or if they are more like you, uh, Derek, they, they don't, they're not going to let on that they are cause they don't want to lose their gig. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I'm, I don't have any real, real world out of school orchestra experience apart from doing a pickup gig here or there from an orchestra that, you know, their personnel manager may get my name from somebody else. And then they mm-hmm. call me to do, you know, three or four rehearsals and the show. And um, so, but I, as far as like a professional orchestra, like the LA Phil or San Diego symphony or anything like that, I have no idea how those, the majority of those uh, musicians are as musicians, except for the few that I know. And I think maybe that, that stigma is not there anymore. Yeah. They, they want their, I'm sorry to interrupt. They want their, uh, musicians to be well-versed and, you know, they want them to be experienced and not just playing in big symphonies and not just playing like the big major orchestral repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in, in LA, like you, you really need to actually have a lot because a lot of people make their money on session work and doing film scores. Right. You have to do everything now. You have to be ready to play almost every kind of style that's been made available in front of you with the charts yeah. put in front of you. Very few are the musicians I know, and I know a lot of musicians, as I'm sure you do as well, who can make their living doing one thing. Yeah. yeah. Most almost to a person, all the musicians I know and top people who are playing in, you know, touring in planes. Yeah. You know, making a full time living at it are doing a number of different things. And I'm not saying this is a negative. I'm saying it's just is it is what it is. It's a yeah, stupid phrase. It's a reality. But it's yeah. the reality of this. You know, and some a lot of the musicians I know are doing, you know, they're cobbling I say cobbling, that sounds terrible, but they're assembling a career and they're assembling an income from a dozen different streams of income. Oh yeah. They'll mm-hmm. make fifty bucks at this session and because it's their friend and they'll do that for a little cheaper. And they'll, you know, they'll do this. You know, I know I have a handful of musicians who have what I call the gravy gig. Like I have some <laughs> friends who yeah. play in top tier, top tier bands. And, you know, there I have a friend who's a drummer, and what he does is he drums. Now, he does sessions for other people, too, and he makes a little money on the side doing that. But he didn't doesn't have to. Right. He could do his one gravy gig. They're flown to their dates on a Learjet and flown back to Los Angeles out of a small airport so they don't have to mess around with, you know, customs and all that, all that jive. They just come and go, and they do their shows. They don't even stay on the road that terribly much. They make enough money to live in that, in that world. But everyone else I know... You know, you have to be diverse. You have to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Versatile. <laughs> Versatile, yeah. uh, you know, willing to take a beating and I sometimes. Think, <laughs> um, this is Rachel. For a lot of musicians, that's part of the appeal. Right. I mean, 
it's nice to have the security of one consistent gig, but I think we all sort of thrive on getting to do a variety of different styles and meet different people. I mean, that's kind of like one of the plus sides of being any sort of artist is that you're never really bored. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. as a cellist and doing all the things that I do, I mean, all the groups I'm involved with are wildly different from one another. So I get to really, you know, my practice pile at home is full of stuff that isn't just the same thing. Yeah. And you're constantly learning and growing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about um, that I've thought about more in playing with this group um, is the way we like internalize rhythm and a groove physically, which is something that's not discussed a lot in Western classical pedagogy, but especially playing with Tom, Derek and Rachel and seeing the way they will physicalize a groove, which makes sense because it's music that's designed to be danced to. So right. mm-hmm. to play it, you need to like feel it in your body in a different way. Yeah, but, it's it's yeah. even funny for me to hear a classical musician say the word groove, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. No, I know you're not just a classical musician, but today you're serving in the function loosely of a classical musician sure. or playing classical-ish music, pop music in oh, a classical-ish we way. We can still groove, yeah. all oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. Thank you, uh, teacher. Uh, so let's 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 hear. You know, I want to talk some more about how you interpret that. You know, because this is a band. You know, it's not it's not a rock band. It's not you know the conductor. You know, string quartets generally don't, as I understand it. But you're still kind of figuring your way through these kinds of things. You know, songs that people may know and reinterpreting those. So that you know, arranging ties into that. Another thing, you know, how you kind of work together ties into that. But first, let's hear. You guys have got your instruments set up here in the Independence Day World Headquarters. Yep, and yep. this first song you're going to play is Starboy. Uh, James, tell me just a little bit about this. Okay, so this comes off of the... Uh, we did an EP of uh, Songs by the Weeknd. There's an R&B artist, huge R&B artist, like probably the most massive R&B artist currently. And we put out an EP of his music in February. And Starboy was kind of the impetus of doing that. We heard Starboy it was going to be the single off of his latest record back in the fall. And we're like, oh, well, we really got to cover this track. Just because the mood, the feel of it all, like he he does a sort of dark, propulsive R&B. And you always, like, yeah. whenever we hear something that feels a little bit different, it's not traditional R&B, traditional pop, we always want to kind of lean towards that. You can also see The Weeknd is, has kind of positioned himself as sort of a, a new perennial. That's what you want to do. Yeah. You want to do stuff that's going to be kind of like... In the moment, now people are going to respond to, but they're hopefully going to respond to it in three years, five years, ten years down the line, and The weekend has established himself as an artist like that. Catalog material. Totally. Artists who have something you can yeah. look back on that they're going to... The, the memories that you form you know, yeah. uh, with your high school, yeah. like your first Kiss song. Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. Everyone has to have that, because if you go back to that, everyone knows what song that was playing yeah. in their lives. So, Vitamin String Quartet is in our studio today, and they are Derek, Tom, Rachel, and Rachel, double Rachels, it's a twin <laughs> Rachel attack. And of course, there's Svengali, the man behind the whole thing, Mr. James Curtis as well. So this is the song Starboy by The Weeknd, Vitamin Drink Quartet on Independence Day.
My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. I think if you haven't figured that out by now. If you're listening, you probably know that already. And uh, there's also all kinds of material. Drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. There is a treasure trove of material on there from lots of artists. We've got audio. We've got video. We've got some of the best songwriters I've ever heard, honestly. Very proud to have hosted each and every single one of them. And happy to add to the family vitamin string quartet. Hello. Thank Hi. You. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> so happy to have you guys. It's so much fun. Like it's so much fun to hear this kind of thing because a lot of people, like at one point in history, this was music. Mm. There wasn't any other like two hundred years ago. Like there wasn't another option really. There's like the court jester guy, right? And right, it was these right, instruments. Right. These are the old. These are the instruments. <laughs> yeah. These are the you know the, the lineage instruments. The court of music is still relatively a new thing. Exactly, exactly yeah. my point. We're, we're, you know, Alexander Graham Bell and all that stuff is not that old. Mm-mm. The stuff that uh, or T- Thomas Edison. Who was it? Am I getting? Am I mixing up my? Uh, yeah, Edison. Edison. Yeah. Right. I'm mixing up my people. Right. Um, my peeps. It doesn't go back that terribly <laughs> far. And then Wait, even yeah. like guitar is <laughs> the guitar is the instrument that we know it. Very, mm. very popular instrument, arguably the most popular instrument. Portable, accessible, cheap. Uh, doesn't go back that far in mm. its in its current form. You know, a no. hundred years. Yeah, if that. If that. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, you know, uh, I mean the, the loop was around uh, before that, and before that. Yeah, guitar's been around for. I mean, I, I don't variations wanna... on a string instrument. Sure, like sure. That yeah, I mean, there's Bach, Bach wrote music for a guitar-like instrument. Well, that's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're splitting hairs but, here, but yes, a guitar-like instrument, but the, like a, the kind that you can go down to, the, sure. if, if there were a corner shop. Yeah. <laughs> modern popular, sorry, modern popular music is based off a particular kind of guitar. Yeah, Blues I guess that's what I'm saying. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the kind that Jimi Hendrix played is not yeah. 200 years old. It's no. no. It was invented in 1950-something. Les Paul mm-hmm. essentially invented the electric guitar, and, that's, yeah. and he hasn't even been dead that long. Mm-mm. Anyway, my whole point, I'm not even sure what my point is. <laughs> That's what I like about this show. We just kind of meander around topics. Like, all we need is some, all we need is a, a, a bartender, and that would complete the picture. You're so, out of beer, though. I am out of, well, no, I'm not out of beer. I'm out of draft beer. I've got beer <laughs> out the wazoo. Don't even talk to me about that. <laughs> you come by later, we'll have some beer. All right. Uh, so, thank you guys for coming in. Uh, we're, we're kind of meandering and talking about classical instruments versus this. I want to talk about, like, how, arranging is what I want to eventually get to, but I want to sure. talk about how you choose your material, right? Because you kind of touched upon this yeah. right before we go in there, but like, you want it to be current, but yet catalog. But then, like, who actually makes that decision? Is this your decision? Uh, this is James, <laughs> and uh, it, you know, it's it's a team effort. It really is. There's. You know, it's come up a couple of times, uh, me being the Svengali of this. It's really uh, hmm. me and because uh, I do the A&R and project direction. But then there's Leo Flynn, who's the brand manager. And there's a couple other people who really kind of weigh in on what we do and why we do it and, and when we do it, essentially. But I mean, the, the major thrust of it is, is Leo and I. Okay. So. But then, so do the ideas to play a particular song come from anybody? Um, you know, it used to be a lot more... Or is it top-down? I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much top-down. It's, it's Leo and I are the ones who okay. are the final decision on what gets made as far as studio recordings, the repertoire for what we're doing in a live gig, uh, what sheet music titles we're going to put out based on any number of factors. So, And then once you hear something, like you go, okay, we're going to do, let's decide we're going to do Radiohead. Like, what happens next? Someone has to arrange this, because that's another thing. Yeah. This is not just like picking up a guitar and wanking on a radio head song. No, no. You know, yeah, this no, is, totally. you know, these instruments have specific ranges, specific things that are even physically possible on the instrument. We were talking about this before. How you've got some, what do you call the string? Would you call those? Oh, Derek? Uh, this is Derek. Um, string crossings versus yeah. changing positions in moments where 
the notes that require either of those things are right next to each other. Exactly. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like a little bit of an acrobatic feat. It's the to mechanics, play certain I guess, passages. is what I'm getting at. Like when you, right. like I took a ranging class in, in college mm-hmm. and you had to learn, I mean, I don't play all those instruments, but we had to learn specifically what is that instrument even capable of doing? Right? right, and every now and again, you've got a guy like Gershwin comes along and like has to invent a new read mm-hmm. so that you could do that tr- that big bliss at the beginning of Rhapsody and Blue. Uh, but by and large, you know, your instrument, you know, Rachel can play from this note to this note. Yeah, right? pretty much. And then you know, and it's capable of playing you know certain things together. And you can do like a prepared version of the instrument, like prepared piano, etc. But you're kind of locked into those things. But like, so someone has to know these things. Yeah, I mean, basically, this this was a formula sort of prior to Leo and I even being part of the label. Like, I, I started at the Vitamin String Quartet. Basically, was started as something as a subsidiary of uh, Vitamin Records. Sorry, I'm kind of catching up here. So, the record label is CMH Records. That started in the '70s. Okay. When the owner died, Sun took over in the 90s, and the Sun started playing around with all these different forms, trying to see what was going to stick. And eventually, he tried his hand at a lot of different tribute records. So in 99, around 99, he and his then-partner decided to get people to start making string quartet tribute records. And the formula for production has kind of been the same ever since, essentially, which is we choose the songs we want to do, the albums we want to do. We have a stable of producers slash arrangers who we then give the material to. We do some pre-production we talk to them about what we want it to sound like. If they're familiar with the music, sometimes they are great, sometimes they're not. We've got to do a little bit more pre-production discussion on what this is all supposed to sound like. And then they make the records. That's, that's kind of what it comes down to. They make the arrangements. They produce the records. They hire a consistent stable of players. You know That, that, that had been kind of the nuts and bolts of it since the beginning. What's, what's really changed uh, when, since Leo and I came aboard in like the mid-2000s is trying to make this sound like a real string quartet. For a while, with all the different A&R people and project coordinators, we would have people who would come in and tell the producer, oh, well, it's, it, you know, beef it up a little bit with like some piano, beef it up with some uh, percussion. Right. Uh, you'd get these producers who would go in and they would layer like 13 violins, and it didn't sound like a real string quartet. So Leo and I, the push that we brought to it was trying to work with the producers that did it best by bringing it back to the four instruments and making it really sound like these are the four instruments being tracked in the studio and just taking it from there. Right. It's like establishing an identity. Exactly. Because, you know, the, you know, I always say, uh, you know, uh, George, George Martin was one of the guys who broke that. He's the fifth Beatle, but he broke that wall down. The Beatles broke that wall down between the recording and the process of recording and, doing it because up until a certain point there was no overdubbing Mm-mm. you went in you you know if you wanted this saxophone to be louder you moved it closer to the mic as in the one mic right right and if you wanted the drums to be quieter you had to put them back behind a baffle in the back you know thing behind the horn section and like mm-hmm. you physically had to move things around the room it's kind of a lost art to a certain extent right but there's an identity that comes with that like once the beatles had broken that wall especially the beatles themselves got to a point where they no longer decided they just cast away the fact that they were ever going to perform that stuff live again yeah yeah they became an entity unto themselves a creative force unto themselves creating music for whomever mm-hmm. uh, that was not bound by the four people that were there right right and then george martin was like the fifth person you know, the beatle guy who brought in the orchestra and brought in all these different things and sound effects and like and now look at it now the wall is gone it mm-hmm. can be anything so you you know I think it's important if you especially if quartet is one of the three words in your name yes yeah right you know you if, if you're adding 
a pipe organ to it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's vitamin string quartet with a pipe organ. Right. <laughs> but well, there, there was also a certain point, too, where it wasn't just the stu- the issue with the studio recording. Like, this idea that the quartet part of it get, would get lost in this morass of overproduction and additional instruments and all that stuff. But... Uh, what Leo and I also started to sort of respond to was there were people who kind of started to think of the string quartet as a string quartet. Like like I was saying, it started out as a studio project. It started out as a series of albums. In fact, up until about 2000, so for the first eight years, there was no vitamin string quartet. It was a string quartet tribute to fill in the blank. Right. And then in around 2006, 2007, I and a few other people had to figure out a way to start to sell this material digitally. And when we started transitioning this stuff from the physical marketplace to the digital marketplace, we said we should just put all these disparate albums under some kind of name, whether that's a brand name, a series name, an artist name. And after a whole lot of back and forth about what that should be, and blah, 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 what this catch-all would <laughs> Fist be. fights. Yeah, I mean, essentially, if it came down to it, I said, let's just call it Vitamin String Quartet. Because the label that all these albums were being put out on was Vitamin Records. You, you know, necessity. that We need a name. Right. This makes sense. It rolls off the tongue quite nicely. Right. Called it Vitamin String Quartet. Started putting every album out under that name as much as we could. And then we started a social media presence. And all of a sudden, because of the digital marketplace, you had people thinking oh, well, now there's definitely a group involved. So you get even more people hitting you up about, can I get sheet music for this? Would you guys play our wedding? Do you want to play this corporate gig? Hey, when are you guys actually going to play a gig? So you naturally respond to that, too. Do you play weddings? <laughs> yeah, we, we will. Have, we did. <laughs> we have, we have played weddings. in the world. Yeah. That's like the question I ask of everybody. Like, so when do you play weddings? Because everybody <laughs> does. Like That's the thing. I think um, this is kind of a, a, a side jaunt, It's, it's I guess. work. You're a working exactly. musician. That's my point. Like You are a working musician. Like The answer to every question is yes. <laughs> right? Like Because yeah. everyone has a price for something. And I'm not talking about like eating a turd. I'm talking about like when you're a musician. Well, that's like the joke. Like, sure, well, how much yeah, would yeah. you cost to do X, yeah, Y, or Z? Yeah. It's like the stupid thing that like, junior high school kids yeah. play. But like when you're a musician, like the answer is yes. You know, let's yeah. let's make yeah. this we happen. We were talking about this earlier. With you're not going to turn down work. Yeah. Rachel Grace and Leo and I and a couple other people were talking about how really freedom is dictated by your ability to say no. Correct. Like mm-hmm. when you can actually say no to something because you've got that stability of that freedom as a musician that's that's that must be a great feeling they can speak to it more i am not a musician i'd like to clarify that i'm not a musician i have a background in music i have done music in many capacities i am not a musician i would not even disrespect the term by saying i'm a musician these two are musicians what's it like not be a musician i would love to know what that feels like i can't tell you how many times i would have the nicest stereo if i wasn't a musician i would have a better oh i still work in the music industry yeah. I still work in the music industry, so I'm still getting music industry dollars. For me, it feels like music to me, uh, if I may personalize this for just a second, it feels like a compulsion. Sure. It feels like, I mean, it's somewhere between an avocation and a passion, but it's like it's a compulsion. I can't not do it. Like, as soon as I think I'm out, they pull me back in. I, I mean, I can't say that I've actually tried to stop being a musician, but there's been times where it's like I, I had had it with performing. Trying to keep a band together in Los Angeles is like dental surgery. <laughs> and you know, and that's not very pleasant. And but it's all it's it's joyful too. But like it, when when the when the ratio gets flipped out of whack, and you're spending more time tweeting about what you're doing and recording what you're doing, like trying to like the, the gnarly stuff about it, mm-hmm. like you kind of lose the passion of the thing. Yeah, I think it's always a danger, especially as a freelancer, um, when your living depends on being able to kind of hustle from gig to gig. Right. It's not always easy to maintain the connection to why you originally 
chose to do this. Yeah. And we um, have so... I'm I'm, I'm sorry, go on. Oh, no. We have so many... The digital thing, which I want to talk about in a minute as well, you Mm -hmm. kind of touched upon that already, but there are so many avenues with which to promote ourselves and and, and channels with which to share, through which to share our music. And you've really capitalized on that. Like you were talking about before, a few minutes ago, you've kind of, you kind of codified it, mm-hmm. polished it up and like gave it a better, a more defined identity right. that you could then present via a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. via a website, via something that's easily digestible. Because people, you know, I know from generating content on this show, like people have short attention spans. Right, and you got to, and and they. Well, there's be, there's always a new platform too, or always there's always a, a platform that all of a sudden. I mean, Vine, you know, is like a perfect example. We busted our ass to try to have some kind of a Vine presence for a while. Vine is not a thing anymore. Yeah, it's just Gone. not. But now you have to have an Instagram presence. You have to have your Facebook. You, you, so you've got to yeah. have all these things that you're moving towards beyond just the creation of the music and how to promote right. them and where these things are sold. Make sure people can find your music here or find it there. Right, yeah. you have to be, you know, like trying to be ahead of that curve, like yeah. that, that weird crystal ball. Like you said, Vine's a perfect example of that. Like I, I myself, is like okay, I guess I should get one of those. And I, or, <laughs> or like I Tumblr. At one point, I had a Tumblr yeah. account. Like I used to joke, I'll Tumblr for you. I don't even know what that even means. Like I, I got the account, and it's like, and I tried to figure it out. And by the time I think I'd half-assedly figured it out, it was like, and it's still there, I think. Mm-hmm. But like it had kind of passed a little bit, yeah. and you know, and my time is limited. Yeah. You know, everybody's time is limited if you're trying to do this kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm talking to Vitamin String Quartet. They are in our studio. They've got some live songs they're going to play for us. They play... Derek, we were talking about this. Like I was, I've been saying like classical versions of pop songs. But it's not exactly true, but it's close. Sure. You know, yeah. classically arranged with yeah. classical instrumentation, perhaps. I mean, it's, it's that kind of, you know, like overarching umbrella-like... Uh, yeah qualification that you want to put on something right that's the association with string quartets just hearing someone playing a violin or a cello for most people they think classical music right you know um especially if you have a viola especially (laughs) (laughs) that seems like to be that's the kicker because like you see cello and pop music from time to time you see violin a Mm -hmm. lot in pop music bluegrass fiddle yeah yeah. uh you don't see a lot of viola in in You yeah, know, like, I like mean, if it's just band. one person, it's much more likely to be a violinist right. with a rock band or a cellist with a rock band. Um, there is a band, I'm blanking on the name now, but I know James can help me. Mm. Um, I always describe them, even though I can't remember their name, as like if Cake did a little bit more hip hop and had a viola oh. player. <laughs> now I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about. Um, I have no idea. Oh man, that's we a drag. We got to circle back around. We have to circle back. Yeah, <laughs> but there is a band. The point is, and they one of their members plays viola. Right, he's a viola player. But that's for exactly the band. my point. That's one example. That's that a novel. That's the only one I can think of yeah. off the top of my head. But exactly. Yeah, I mean, and related to what we were talking about earlier, I think one of the things that people really respond to about Vitamin String Quartet music is that. It sort of explores the limits of the spectrum of what's possible to do with just string quartet instruments, right. no effects. Mm-hmm. And so we end up using a lot of extended techniques. Right. The piece yeah. we're doing today where I play colegno, which is when you're hitting the string with the wood of the bow. So right. how can you find creative ways to imitate these instruments on the pop tracks? Yeah. And all of these or instruments. Or weird voicing and phrasing. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, all of these instruments can make... an. A, like an amazing uh, amount of sounds that right. you won't 
ever hear in anything pre nineteen fifty maybe. And um it's really fun. Like I have done a little bit of arranging work with the group and I will try to like sneak those things (laughs) in. And the funny (laughs) stuff the funny thing is is like, you know, Unless you're working with a very elaborate system, you know, I've just I work with Sibelius on my computer, and I don't have like a full library of sounds. When you mark something that may be a extended technique in the music, Sibelius doesn't know how to handle that. So <laughs> there's been many times Data where like overload. I've sent right. uh, an arrangement to Leo, and I've right. got the the um, the uh, sound file, and I have to say, okay, at measure such and such, that's not how it sounds. It doesn't right. sound like that. You know, right. I mean, I love stuff like that. I mean, coming from, you know, I have some classical background, but coming from like as a guitar player, like the players who would, you know, we I started this whole conversation by saying like rules were meant to be broken. Yeah. Right. But I think it's important to know those rules. Like the musicians that I know the best who are breaking the rules know that they're breaking the rules oh, right? yeah. when they're breaking the rules. And I mean that with harmony. I mean that with the way you approach the instrument, like like you said, banging on it, the names for those different techniques, the guitar, like Eddie Van Halen does the craziest stuff where he'll push the pick up, push the string onto the magnetic thing of the pickup. Oh, and that's yeah. part of a song. And it makes a, what some people would call a horrible sound or raking the pick down the strings, doing a pick slide or playing the strings up above the the nut of the headstock of the mm-hmm. guitar or like banging on the strings. Like the, the list just goes on and on and on. And those are the people whose names we know. Yeah, right. Definitely. Are the people who know yeah. those things? Those are the household names, not the people. I mean, I'm sure we know uh, Yo-Yo Ma's name, mm-hmm. but I mean, he knows those techniques too. I'm sure he does all sure. kinds of fun stuff when nobody's looking. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, Vitamin String Quartet is my guest. This next song is a Tool song. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Some epic. Of my, some of my friends are going to dig this, and yeah, this is epic. I heard you guys practicing this when you were, you know, when we were kind of getting set up here. I can't wait for everybody to hear this. Vitamin String Quartet is my guest this week. This is them playing a Tool song. It's called Forty Six and Two. Rock out, Vitamin String Quartet on Independence Day. Thank you. 
and or roll vitamins string quartet <laughs> playing tool. Yes. Cool. That's like, a great like, track. It's, it's, like, it's one of our favorite arrangements. Now, do you know, do you have this record in your personal collection? Is anybody like a tool person or is it just something you dig? Because I thought you were. I mean, the thing is, I've always enjoyed tool when I hear it. Right. But I'm, I've never gone out and bought the album or been really excited when there's a show coming up. Right, right. When I hear Tool, I enjoy it, but I don't seek it out. So you're not not a Tool fan. I'm not not a Tool fan. Wait, Homer, are you licking toads? I'm not not licking toads. <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons reference. Yeah. Rachel probably won't Sorry, get Sorry, I don't get it. No, I know that. The one. Simpsons was like the one time my family would come together every Sunday okay. night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a big part. Of I wasn't allowed childhood. to watch The Simpsons really? when I was yeah, growing up. Yeah, my grandparents now. hated The Simpsons. And now you're playing Tool in a in a string quartet. Take Look that. at you, man. <laughs> Very nice. Take that, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, so, man, there's so many things to talk about. I don't even know where to even go with this conversation. There's so many. I'm like, I'm so fascinated by what you guys do. And people, if they want to check it out, go to vitaminstringquartet.com. They're all over the internet. They're also they've got the Facebook. They're Vitamin String Quartet. YouTube.com/slash official VSQ. I like the VSQ. Yeah, like that's the thing. You know, it's like, that hey, was something the fans applied VSQ, to us. yo. Yeah, you know, I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. Dig it. For, so let's talk a little bit from the musician's perspective now. Like we've kind of gone top down a little bit, like the organizational structure, like how you pick material. Like now, like let's Rachel, Derek, let's talk from your perspective a little bit here. Sure. I know this isn't your only gig, Derek. You've been with the band a long time. The band, yeah, the quartet. <laughs> Rachel, you're like a newbie at this. Yeah, I like, think this is my give, second give, or third. Yeah, give me yeah. Your, like your respective perspectives on like being involved in this. Like, what does it mean to you versus the other things that you do in your music career? Ladies first. Um, well, I just moved to LA for graduate school about a year and a half ago. I go Welcome. to Cal Arts. Thank you. And so for me, um, getting this gig was kind of, I feel like everyone from the East Coast has a kind of idealized perception of what it's like to be a working musician in LA. <laughs> and so I think we were doing the stream for the Facebook page and we were in this this beautiful apartment and and there was all this free food and I like looked over the table and I was like Laura bars we have I, made it I have arrived <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and and I'm talking with um Derek Tom and Rachel about all their like glamorous freelance work and so I'm I'm just really excited to have the chance to play with them. How much yeah. more time do you have left in school? One week. Oh my lord! One week from today. That's yes. impossible. So by the mm-hmm. time this airs, <laughs> you will have your master's, master's degree. Yeah. Oh, man, you're a badass. Congratulations. <laughs> That's really really <laughs> she awesome. She is a badass. You are a badass. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, and then you know uh, the other things that you're doing. Music. Um, I like, do a lot of stand up actually, and that's been a fun. I my, as in I'm, comedy. Yeah, yeah. My under without a violin. Um, sometimes with, sometimes okay. without. Um, it's supposed to be a joke, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, my undergrad was a very traditional kind of Western classical experience, and I'd I've always done a lot of improv and started doing stand up a few years ago, and then coming out to Cal Arts has been a great way to kind of integrate both of those together. So. They have an interesting program out there. I have some friends who yeah. went there. 
they're you know some of them are still doing music, but like the guys, they're so funny. Like the, the, my best buddy that went there was a drummer, and he studied ethnic percussion. We went to undergraduate school mm-hmm. together. And he went out there, and he loved his experience. He loved his teachers. He loved everything he did about it. But then he he sells expensive stereos. Like, he sells $10,000 <laughs> turntables that I could never even look at. You should see the guy's turntable. Wow. It costs more than my car. In any <laughs> case, the point is, like, he, the guys that he knew when he was in school are touring in vans and buses. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're out there doing it. Girls, too, I should say. I should say guys. I say guys in the royal sense. Um, so, like, it's, you're in the right place. You know, and L.A. is a great place to do this kind of thing. I mean, it's a little mercenary, I think. For musicians, but the opportunities are, are seemingly endless. Yeah, and it's actually really reignited my love for classical music now that it's not my sole right. focus. I appreciate getting to do it a lot more. Yeah, once you get a break from it for a little while, then you you start to appreciate it. It's like you don't know what you had until it's gone kind of situation. <laughs> Spending two yeah. years at CalArts playing literally no classical music. <laughs> And then afterwards being like, oh, yes, maybe I can do that again now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it ties into my, I referenced the fact that I came up through choirs before. Um, and I don't get that experience in my, in my life now. Um, it, some people I know sing in choirs, but the, the level of choir, like that we perform, we, we practice every day. Yeah. Every day. So, you know, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday was like an hour. And then Tuesdays and Wednesdays, like an hour and a half. And that's like, I don't know, do the math. You know, six and the six and change hours worth of material or of, of singing every day, and it was the, like the happiest days of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sincerely and dearly miss having that in my world, and to do it. I hope this comes out correctly without sounding rude, but like to to do it at that level again would be hard to do because doing it at that level, if you're not in college, that's professional. Yeah. And for me to get into that, like I would have to be professional level at that again. And I haven't done it in a long time, even though I miss it so dearly. And you know, to 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 do that now, like those are there's a, only a handful of vocal ensembles. There are choral ensembles, acapella ensembles that are touring. Sure, you right. know, and to get into that would be really really hard. Now everything worth doing is hard. We all know that. Right. But like I do a million things. I'm a grown up. I got stuff to do, man. I got <laughs> beer to make. I got radio shows and podcasts to make. I got Dogs rock to shows walk. to play. What's that? <laughs> Dogs to walk. Dogs to walk. I got all kinds of stuff. Mountains to climb. Um, so Derek, now from your experience, now because okay, you, you've been with this ensemble a long time, but now, but were you involved before it kind of got codified, like we were talking about before? No. Um, so. When I was growing up, I like to tell this story about how I ended up doing this. And it starts when I was growing up, and one of my favorite bands was No Doubt. Interesting. I would never have guessed looking at you that I know, No Doubt was I one of your I don't look that bands. way. I have a great photograph of me standing with my arm around Gwen Stefani. And mm-hmm. I got to go to a meet and greet situation at one of their shows. But uh, yeah, I had this huge hair and a big beard. And I don't look like your typical No Doubt yeah. fan, but... Uh, when I was maybe a senior in high school, I was rifling through some CDs at a record store, and I found the string quartet tribute to No Doubt. And I was—I thought to myself, what is this? Where did this come from? <laughs> and so I bought it immediately, took it home, listened to it, thought it was amazing. And from that point on, I started kind of looking for more of those things and became familiar with Vitamin String Quartet through just exploring. Oh, wow, okay. And I had uh, several of the releases and I watched videos online. I did the whole deal. And then after a while, I kind of got wrapped up into my own life and I was practicing all the time and I was doing very classical music in my undergrad. And just like Rachel said, she had like a very traditional undergrad 
like you know music school experience yeah, yeah. and uh when i made the decision that I was going to come to Los Angeles, I kind of started thinking about Vitamin String Quartet again, and I wonder what the circumstances would have to be for me to get hooked up with that. And after I graduated from CalArts, I was playing with a group that I still play in today called Wild Up, which is a modern music chamber orchestra. And our personnel manager at the time sent everyone an email that said, Hey, a friend of mine who's involved with this group, Vitamin String Quartet, is looking for new players for their live stuff. Uh, you can email this person if you're interested. And no one else in the group even thought about it, but I emailed immediately. Mm -hmm. And I probably emailed the the woman who was the contact at the time. Her name's Serafina. I probably emailed her 10 times before I got a response. And that's not my MO. Like, I don't bother people. I don't right. pester people when it comes to getting a gig, you know, but with, with this, I emailed over and over and over until I finally got a response that said, okay, we have a time this day at this place for an audition. Mr. Stein, if I give you the gig, will you stop emailing me? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> so I showed up to the audition and it just gelled. Like I felt so good about it. And everyone, I felt like everyone in the room had a really nice reaction to me and I had a nice reaction to them. And that was in 2012 and the rest is history. I've Here been, you are. I've been the only live cello player for all the gigs that we've done. Uh, I got to record on one of the uh, releases recently was that last year the radiohead yeah that was in the fall we did a couple songs off a of moonshape pool for a seven inch yeah he was on the sessions for that and so it's been a really positive experience for me and uh, like i mentioned earlier i do some of the arranging and chart proofing type stuff and it's been fantastic man it's and it's fun like people i don't know like i keep coming back to this concept you know pop music classical style classical ensemble but it's just fun yeah absolutely yeah. you know it's fun to hear like accomplished musicians playing familiar melodies and you know there's enough to chew on in terms of the arrangements classically to not just make it just like wanking on playing the same chords oh, yeah. like there's they're, they're hard really digging yeah. into the arrangement yeah. well that's one of the best parts about this whole operation is that you know the arrangers the producers they don't just take the bare bones of whatever track they're working on and shove it into right. string player parts. Right. They do real arrangements and they add their own flair and their own motives and they make a, you know, obviously this is arrangement, this is a cover, but it's like a brand new thing. Yeah. It's a brand right. new piece of music that has never been heard before. And yeah, the melodies are recognizable, but because of the instruments that they're writing for, and the limitations we have, they create these brand new, yeah. really beautiful pieces of music. Yeah, One of my go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say you're trying to basically recontextualize something that everybody kind of already knows is familiar with, right. and doing it in a way that, like, we were sort of joking before. The, there's there's a shtick, a novelty to this idea because <laughs> there's an there's an immediate ironic. Connect. It's there. There's like oh, it's unavoidable. String quartet right. versions of Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. What does that and there's sound like? There's a lot like? of that now. The internet has made that very like prolific. Yes, there's a lot so of that. It's so prolific now. now, especially with YouTube. Everybody's doing covers. I mean, we right. live in a very kind of cover-based musical society. Everybody's kind of reinterpreting something. Well, it's like but, one of the best ways to get attention. I'm so sorry yeah, to interrupt. No, no, no. One of the best ways to get attention if you are someone who nobody knows yeah. is to, you know, 
do a really great cover of something that everybody knows and put it on YouTube. Right. Well, that was, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, we have circled back. This is a very long-winded thing. We have circled back in the digital age to a period that we were at in the late 40s and into the 50s where it's a singles-driven business. Correct. But you've also got one artist puts out a song, and then 10, 15 people also do like their version of that song. Right. And that's the way it was before when you were dealing with, you know, uh, people love to talk about like the purity of music and people writing their own songs. But for a long time, modern popular music was not... Performed by people who wrote their music. Correct. They were doing standards. They were doing versions of jazz. You know, jazz version of this, big band version of that. People doing their own renditions of it. So you're again, you recontextualize something that's familiar to somebody in a in a new way. But the one thing you really don't want to do with a string quartet is play it by rote because then you finally you fall into like elevator music. Right. You can't do that. You've got to actually, if you're going to do a string quartet version of a rock song, it's got to rock. Right. You know, you've got to figure out how you make that arrangement work so that you feel that. You feel that voicing, those phrasing. You feel that initial emotion in some yeah. way with these different voices. It's my favorite thing about music, and I'm talking big scale here, right? right. Is that music is a living art form, yeah. right? I have friends who are painters. I have friends who are sculptors, friends who do... I mean, acting is also a, a living art form. You know, once it's been committed to celluloid digitally now, uh, you know, that movie is there. When I go watch Monty Python, that's Monty Python, right? Mm -hmm. Raising Arizona, what have you. Um, but that's music a is a living art form. It, you know, when you perform it and reinterpret it, it can be done an infinite number of times. That melody is something that doesn't really exist in other art forms. Like you do a painting and unless you're doing some kind of avant-garde painting where you're continually adding stuff to it, mm -hmm. like you do the painting and it's done. You right. sell it, it's gone. You know, I painted it, but now it's yours. Right. Right? Uh, sculpting, same way, um, by and large. Music, always different, always changing, can be, it's malleable. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've done that with my own songs. I love smashing my own songs apart and reassembling them in different ways, different keys, different time signature, different, you know, wholly different thing. I love doing that kind of stuff. Right. Last thing before we get into this last song, and I'm really looking forward to this because it's a Radiohead song. Even though you know that last Tool song was probably the most rocking things you guys are doing, I'm looking forward to the Radiohead song because I love Radiohead so very much. Um, from the musician's perspective, you get a chart dropped in front of you, right? It's kind of come. This is now we're going kind of going back to top down again. Like, how do the four of you then, you know, set about interpreting that? Because that's the last step when you come to musicians when you're playing something off a page. That's just the page. You know, you've got your crescendos, your decrescendos, your fortissimos, all that stuff's on that page. But now that last step is you infusing your life and your experience and your, you know, your interpretation of that into it. Like, talk to me about that a little bit, and then let's play this Radiohead tune. I mean, I think some of that comes with understanding your role within the quartet. We were talking a little earlier about, like, the supportive role that a viola always often falls into. But so I think, yeah, with these songs, often one of us is taking over what would be a vocal line. So that's more of a moment to come out and be a little more expressive. But if we're really trying to lay down the groove and like keep the tempo for everyone, um, yeah, that's a little more structured, but I think we come into the rehearsals with a kind of unspoken understanding of like how it's supposed to go and just typically like play them down and then go up, go over any trouble areas. Yeah. The, the first, this is Derek, the first, um, read through of a piece may be 
to a certain extent, as far as all the markings goes, one of the most accurate readings that we do. But the deal is, and we, we experienced this today in a, a few instances during our rehearsal, where we read a track down, or um, a track, <laughs> we read a chart down, and then we talked about, okay, well, we did it this way, and this is how it's written, but we didn't really, it didn't feel exactly right. So what can we do to change it, or what can we do differently? And then we experiment, and then if we like it, we actually write it down on the page, and it that actually sometimes will get into the final version of these um, print releases that right, they right, do. Yeah. And uh, it kind of is this thing where sitting down, reading it is like the most robotic thing, right. and then as we rehearse, we create what that final performance is. Right. And it's all derived from the music, but we like you said, we put our own experiences and our own special touches to the music. Yeah, that's the interpretation I was yeah. talking about before. Mm-hmm. All right, Vitamin String Quartet. They're my guests on Independence Day this week. Visit them on the interwebs at vitaminstringquartet.com. And I can't stop myself from saying vitaminstringquartet.com. I just, <laughs> I'm a, vitamin. Uh, vitamin. Vitamin. I'm, I'm, I love the Python and I love all the <laughs> British humor stuff. So I mean, it, it, any chance I get to throw some uh, British Vita BS Vita in there. I'm sorry, one more time. Vitamin to Vegemin? I love Lucy. I know. You didn't get that one out that there? Vitamin to Vegemin String Quartet. Quartet is an ex-quartet. Anyway, all right, we've we've doubled down. Now, stop me before I sub-reference again to, to reference Dennis Miller referencing a Monty Python gag. You got it. We're like three levels deep now. We're it's like the Matrix. There. No, yeah. Inception. It's like Inception. Like, how many levels deep are we now? I have no and idea. time just, as you go lower, it gets longer. It just compounds. <laughs> anyway, I'm waiting. I've got a like beer waiting interview. on the other end of this interview, so we're going to kick you guys out of here. This song, Radiohead, I can't wait for everyone to hear this radio, one of my favorite bands in the world. And for very good reason, they're they're doing cool stuff. One of the last great rock bands. Yeah, I think there aren't yeah. many bands, at least it seems like anymore. That's you know? definitely that's definitely the situation. All right, so check this out: Vitamin String Quartet playing the Radiohead song "Motion Picture Soundtrack."
man, I have never heard Radiohead so cool as I just heard it right now <laughs> in the Independence Day World Headquarters. That was the song Motion Picture Soundtrack from the new record. No, Correct? actually, oh, no. Oh, not from the new record. No, no, no. We're actually going to be putting that out. Uh, we're putting that out on a sheet music chart. Oh, the new ra- the new Radiohead record is what I'm saying. Is that no, no, from- no, 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 no. Motion Picture Soundtrack was off of uh, uh, Kid A. Oh, my friend Bill is going to be very angry with me. You <laughs> <laughs> see, like, it's so funny. I, Radiohead, it's a personal favorite of mine, but my buddy Bill, like, that's he would I'm walk obsessed. across flaming piranhas <laughs> like to just to see Radiohead, like, do anything. That is devotion. Yeah. And, but it's funny because, like, for me, it kind of tops out right around Kid A. Like, I love, like, the Benz and OK Computer is like the meat of it for me and then like I, they're, they're brilliant but like that's kind of where I stopped listening and he's constantly flogging me for like you gotta listen to the other stuff but I do <laughs> love the new record Moonshape Pool is unbelievable best yeah. thing they've done in years so Vitamin String Quartet thank you so thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It, it means a lot to me that you guys share your gifts that you not just with me but with my listeners with all the listeners in the world music I mean <laughs> it's a, the most important thing in my world and it has to be that way in your world too. Like otherwise, we Absolutely. wouldn't be doing this. We don't do this. I mean, we get paid, but we don't do this for the, <laughs> the pay. We don't do this for the. You know, we do this for the glory. Because a lot of being a musician is hurry up and wait. Yeah, yep. sitting around in airports, sitting around and like sitting by yourself and practicing when the other kids are playing ball when you're a kid. That's how it goes. So, and you've got some upcoming concerts. I'm sure you, you you must have some stuff. We never. No. I, I looked on the website, but I couldn't really. No, no, no. Well, we've got some stuff. We're sort of prepping for gigs, maybe coming up in New York. But mainly, it's just we've got studio releases, we've got sheet music titles, so we're constantly churning out new materials, and we're always putting up you know new video content, live streams, right. music videos, etc. Cetera, et cetera, and I guess so. that's the thing I should stress the most is that you guys have a constant stream of output. Like that's yeah, one thing you're consistent. managing very very well in the in the digital world is that it's content is king, and you've constant constantly got to be generating content. So check it out. Check out their website. Check out their Instagram feed. Buy their music online. Uh, and you, when you do do shows, you said you make physical product too, because you said you had a record store day release. Yeah, yeah. We still make. There's some physical product. Most of the physical product we make is actually the vinyl. We do two okay. a year, one for every record store day. But we also make sheet music. Like that's one of the things okay. we make these really nice deluxe packages of sheet music for for people who want to play the music. What is, what is this sheet music you speak of? <laughs> what is this sheet music? Charts. Charts. Notes on a page. Charts. Notes on a little. What, <laughs> What's that Stephen Wright joke when he comes out with the guitar and he's like, what are these strings for? Anyway, another dumb joke. All my dumb jokes this week. Uh, that was a borrowed dumb joke. But uh, man, you guys I can't, and girls, I can't thank you enough for coming out, spending the time, playing beautiful music. Keep doing what you do. You know, Keep at it. And never give up. Never surrender. You got it. Cheers. I mean Thanks that more so than ways than one. So uh, Derek Stein, uh, Tom Lee, Rachel Grace, Rachel Iba, and of course James Curtis, who is like the Svengali behind this whole thing. Vitamin String Quartet <laughs> on Independence Day. So thanks to the good people of Vitamin String Quartet, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Tipinski, and Sally Shackleton. The whimsical Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. For, uh, Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Be sure to check them out as well. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything today, please be good to one another. <laughs>